Commission says to go and make disciples of all the nations. Help us, God. And Lord, let the Spirit of God reign in us today and flow out of us to the world. Let us be marked with the love of Jesus Christ and let people see Jesus in us first and foremost, because that's the only thing that's going to change this world. We love you. We bless you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to move some stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the spirit of uh, uh, hyperness. I'm just kidding about the hyperness. Uh, but I want you to take your Bible out and I want you to look in uh, with me, John 9, uh, John 20, John 20. Now, this COVID season has has made many of us close ourselves off, which in one sense, it's, it's a good thing. OK, and so uh, we, we were, were locked behind a screen. We're locked behind a mask. Maybe we're locked behind an echo chamber or social distancing to keep safe. Some of those have been good things. I, I know people, well, statistics are low. And, I, and I, this is the mean man voice. My wife always says, I hate it when you do that. I said, but that's the, I'm talking in the antagonistic voice. You, you get it, right? You get it, right? If you don't just act like you get it. Okay. So, so when you preach the gospel, you've got to be in mind that not everyone agrees with what you say. So I speak in the, anti, the antistic, antagonistic, that other person's, person's voice. And so there are those, well, the virus is not that bad. Only, only millions of people, that, only, only millions of people die. It's not as bad as the flu. It, it's, it's not as bad because we social distance. We wear masks. It's not that bad. Well, just imagine if they didn't do any of that. You better thank God that we spend some time away from each other in that sense. But the bad news, though, of course, is when we get separated from people, we can begin to think crazy things. We can begin to get discouraged. We can become lonely. We can become displaced. What would happen if you locked yourself away from everyone? Some of you, I, I welcome it. I can't stand people. Well, then, well, number one, there's a bigger issue there, okay? Because we need people. Even introverts need people. You need to have interaction with people. And they say the worst punishment on any person is to be isolated from other people. And the problem is now this. Imagine being locked in a room without air. What would happen? Well, duh, you would die, right? What would happen if you were stuck in a room with no fresh air? You would slowly die. What would happen if you were stuck in a room living in fear? What would happen if you were stuck in a church where you locked the doors because you didn't want people coming in? You just wanted to take care of the church people. Well, that church would die. If you look now at John 20, verses 19 through 23. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed him his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. And as the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Just as you and I need oxygen to breathe, to live we also need God's breath for our spiritual lives. Amen? Amen? Come on, you need it. I need it. We get oil. I mean, just like if you drive a car forever and you never change the oil, it's going to burn up. Too many people in church, we, we keep thinking, if I keep doing this old thing over and over and we don't get fresh breath, air from the Holy Spirit in us, we are going to die. We lock the doors. We don't want those Democrats. We don't want those Republicans. We don't want those people in our church. We should say, no, the doors are wide open so God can come in, but also so all can come in. 
Come on, amen. What happens to a church when it closes the doors to society? Well, we just want people that really love God. We just want true worshipers. That's religion. We want to reach all people because all people are important to God. What happens to a church that does not receive a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit often? What happens to Christians who get stuck on the doctrines of men or stuck on their history or even stuck in political ideologies? We lock our doors. We don't want new people coming in. We want people that look like us, that vote like us, that believe like us, that act like us. And Jesus said the gospel is to go to all nations, to all people. Church, this church, every church in America, I believe every church in the world, we need to be breathed on by the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm glad you wear a mask. And the other day I was at the store, grocery store, and, and I could hear this person coughing. I'm like, oh my, you know, you know how it is now? Don't you hate it when you're the person coughing now? You know, like with allergies right now, I mean, it's bad for me. Allergies, so I have to take all kinds of medicines because if not, then I, I start having runny nose and all that. And even with a mask, I'm like coughing, I'm like sneezing. You know, and everyone like looks at you, oh my goodness, what are you doing? I'm like, it's not COVID. And I keep saying, like, it's not, it's not COVID. It's allergies. Of course, now they don't, they have a, I don't, I can't feel anything. I don't, I can't smell. I'm really, I, got a, I feel like I got a flu. Then that's probably COVID. But you see, now we social distance ourselves. We have, we have mentally distanced ourselves from people. And we don't want to be around people anymore. Because they don't look like us. They don't vote like us. They're from a different tribe. They're from a different land. They have a different faith. They have a different sexual preference. They have a different political view than us. We don't, well, I don't want to be around them, but Jesus, I love them. And I'm sending you. Are you ready to find out how God can breathe some new life into you? Are you ready to see how maybe God needs to help you and I to unlock the door? We've closed our doors to certain people, certain generations, certain mindsets. Are you ready? Please say yes. Online, tab jets, I'm ready. Please go. Number one, the doors of the church are locked. John 20, 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fears of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Letter A is we're, we're hiding. It seems like I had to touch my nose. And just to make some of you happy, I'm going to use hand sanitizer, okay? See, I, use, I touch my nose, hand sanitizer, just for you germaphobes, okay? Because I'm a recovering, still having addictions to germaphobe myself. Letter A is hiding behind God. It would seem, listen, it would seem that the church would stay busy with activities for God while seemingly not caring for a world that is in a downward spiral. I don't know what else you need to see in the world, but the world is a downward spiral. It would seem that at times people flock to the church to have their needs met while we forget about the lost who really need God. It would seem that believers think the church is just for them kind of a holy Christian country club. While people outside are starving for the truth. It would seem that the church would rather be entertained rather than being empowered as an army filled with the Holy Spirit to proclaim the good news. Well, the pastor hasn't taught me how to do that yet. You have the Holy Spirit. He will help you. It would seem that the church is, is more interested in just maintaining and running programs than making disciples. Because you see, just as I said on the stats, a small amount of people come to Christ through the programs versus you being a light. 
You see, the problem with any church hiding behind all its activities is that we are not penetrating society with the message of Jesus Christ. Because we want our needs met. We want church programs. We want great worship. And I want great worship. I want great ministries. I, I want to help you. But we live in a world that's in a mess right now. It's just getting worse. And Jesus has told us in Matthew 20, 18 through 20, that Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So the second part of this letter B is the fear of the world. It would seem that we don't want to be around sinners. We don't want to be around those people. And as you hear me say this, anytime you and I get an us versus them mentality, we have lost. Anytime you, you see a different tribe, a different nation, you see a different person of a, a different um, uh, gender or background or political, and you start saying, I'm not like them, then you have lost. You've lost the love of God to say, I see them as God sees them. And the church needs to get out of this mindset, us versus them, or we need to get out of this fear. It would seem that we're living on the wrong side of resurrection. We've forgotten that resurrection opened the door for all people to come to Jesus Christ. It opened the door for all people, whatever background they are. The resurrection gives us victory over this world. We think, well, I'm going to hide from this world. You can't hide from this world. It's just going to get worse. You have the light of Jesus Christ. Romans 8.30, what then shall we say in response? If God is for us, who can be against us? Come on, amen? Uh, amen, Pastor. I'm upset. Well, get over it. Come on. We are, we are afraid to get dirty from the sinners we see. Oh, I, and it just, it, I just, it boggles my mind hearing believers say, I can't believe they're acting like that. Well, I do because they're lost. Do you remember what it, like, what it was like when you were lost? Well, I've been saved since I was born. Well, then, uh, I don't know what to tell you then. What was your life before Christ? Or, or here, and this is, I'm going to, Pastor, you're, you're getting angry. I'm, I'm going to be angry for a minute, and then I'll move on to niceness, hopefully. Or we think they're idiots because they don't believe like we do. They don't watch Fox News like us, or MSNBC, or they, they're not like us because of this or that. What's wrong with us? Jude 22. I want you to, do I have it? Jude 22. Listen to this. Be merciful to those who doubt. Read that with me. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire. Say that. Snatch others from the fire. And save them. To others, show mercy. Mixed with fear. Hating, Hating even... Their clothing stained by corrupted flesh. If you have notes or you, you want to write this down, if there's a way for you, look at this. It says be merciful. It does not say be judgmental. It does not say call them jerks because they didn't vote like you or they don't have the same agenda as you. Snatch. That word snatch, it's, the Greek word is harpazo. It means to get them out of the fire. We're like, they deserve it. They voted for that person, or they're that race, or they're that gender, or they're, they're that tribe. I don't God just snatched them out of the fire. I can't. I might get dirty. You might even get burned. But that's what we're called to do. And others from the fire, save them. That, that word sozo means to bring them into a relationship to Jesus Christ. 
And then it says this. To others show mercy. Some are just not going to believe. But just you, you got to be merciful to people. Even if they're belligerent, even if they're hateful, you still got to be merciful. Well, I can't believe that. Like, because they're stained with sin, pray for them. What's wrong with the church when we want to point fingers at everybody? Instead of saying, God, help me to be merciful. Help me to snatch them. Harpazo, let me, let me go and take them out of the fire. I mean, if your son or your daughter was burning in a car, would you rescue them? Like, well, they voted for Democrats. I'm a Republican. I can't vote. For, uh, nope. Pastor, you're crazy. But this is what I'm hearing in the church. Or vice versa. Maybe they're Republican and you're Democrat. Maybe, maybe whatever. The church must be about going. We need fresh breath. We need the Holy Spirit to breathe on us so we don't look at people as antagonistic. We look at people saying they need Jesus Christ. You should be saying, well, help me. Come on, help me. See, here it is. Well, Pastor, and I don't get it because there's uncertainty. Yes, there we living. Let her see the uncertainty of the future. We, we, I mean, this is a crazy. We don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow, next week, next month. But you know what? God is still on the throne. Change is inevitable. Change is inevitable, but so is resistance to change. We all know we need to change, but we don't like to change because we get stuck. And, and I, I don't like COVID. I don't like what it's done to the world, but COVID has given us a chance to restart. It's given us, even as a church, we talk about this, what are things that we've been doing that's just a waste of time? Nothing's happening. No one's being changed to. What can we do now that can help us to be effective for the kingdom? Discipling you, helping you, and reaching the lost. You see, unfortunately, I'm just going to be honest, the church gets stuck in methods 20, 30, 40, 50 years that were once at one time good, but now they're old and they're not relevant. They're not helping the church grow. We need to say, Lord, breathe on us. Breathe on us. I welcome the breath of God. Come on, just say, breathe on me, Holy Spirit. In online, say, breathe on me, Holy Spirit. You see, the thing is this, if we cannot control the change... We will even resist the move of God. If we can't be in control of God, we want to then resist it. Well, Pastor Stan, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit uh, back in 1925 or 1930, 1940, 1950, whenever, this is what happened. But you know, the Bible says, be renewed in the Spirit. Receive a new anointing every day from the Holy Spirit. What worked 20 years ago is not working today. What worked last year is not working today. And then we start thinking again, us versus them. Well, Pastor, since, since you don't agree with me, you must be a man. The enemy is no. The word on that is no. You need to stop looking at people because they're different than you. Voted differently. You have different ideologies. They're in a different background than you. Ephesians 6, 12. It's for our struggles, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. We need to fight with each other, no. We need to fight together against the enemy of our souls. People outside the church are not the enemy. Amen? When we start thinking like that, we close the doors of the church. We say, we don't want people in our church that aren't like us. Aren't you glad God didn't close the door on you? Number two, Jesus at the center. You see, Jesus then, letter A, he reassures us of his promise to never leave us. Verse 19, on the evening that the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, they were hiding in fear. And likewise, we got, we got to give them, some, uh, give them a break. Put yourselves in their shoes. Jesus was just crucified. 
He was just crucified. So now they're fearful. We, they're, they're coming after us now. So, so they're hiding. And they expected to be next. But instead, Jesus comes in their midst and he, he says, hey, peace be with you. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. And you see, that promise is still for today. He is still with us. God is with me. In the chat, type it, God is with me. Romans 8, 37, 39. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. God is with you all the time. Come on, amen. So in that letter B, placing Jesus at the center of your life. And the question for me really is, is Jesus really the center of, of my universe? Or am I the center of my universe and he better bless me? You see, Christianity in America has become easy believism. I put Jesus in my life so he blesses me instead of saying, God, how can I bless you? Or a lot of us, we just add Jesus to us. He's just another thing that I do for my life just so I can live a good life. When really he should be our life. Mark 8, 34 says this. When he called the crowd to him, along with the disciples, he said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. You see, oftentimes, again, we make Jesus as part of our lives instead of him being all of our lives. I'm not saying to be a pretentious, weird Christian. I'm just saying that Jesus should be the center of your life. He should be the reason you're saying, I'm, I'm going to love everyone, regardless of, of whatever background they have. I want to love them. Listen to this. According, according to a, a Gallup poll, 94, 94% of Americans believe in God. 94%. That's huge, right? But of that 94%, 74% claim to have made a commitment to Jesus Christ. Okay, that, so, so according to this Gallup poll... 74 uh, percent, you know, three fourths of the nation claim to be Christians. And of that number of of all these numbers, about 34 percent confess to a new birth experience, meaning they really had a a real Christ like. If you look at those statistics, you'd say if that was really true, then our nation would be a lot different. You see, these statistics can be shocking compared to the statistics, statistics on the same group of People for unethical behavior, crime, mental distress, family failures, addictions, and the like. You see, we call ourselves Christians. We call ourselves a Christian nation, but we're far from being Christ-like. Why is that? Because Jesus is not the center of many of these people's lives. He's just a name that they name. He's just an activity. This really proves that a lot of people just name Christ with their lips. He doesn't own everything in their heart, their mind, their soul. And if Jesus were the center, then their behavior would be a lot different. Is my behavior different because of Christ? Is your behavior different online because of Christ? How do we place Jesus at the center of our lives? One word, obedience. Obedience. Put it in the chat, obedience. John 14 says this, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him. And will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you, you hear from me are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Number three. Because I love you and I need to move on. Number three. May the fruit of the cross bring you peace. I know that sounds weird, but just you'll get it in a second. Letter A. 
peace be with you is more than a greeting. There are certain churches, maybe you grew up in that church and they say, peace be with you. Oh, peace also on you, or peace be with you, right? So when Jesus said this, let me just read John 14, 27 first. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Those are easy words to say, but if Jesus is in us, it would then become true. We will continue hard times. We, we will see, it, it seems like in our human history that every 10 years something major comes that just blows the world apart. We will continue to face uncertain tough times, but we are not to be afraid because God is on the throne. And if we obey him, his peace is in us. Amen? You see, when Jesus said, peace be with you, he wasn't just being polite. You know, somebody said, hey, God bless you. Have a good day. You know, sometimes, right? I mean, this week when I was at that grocery store, I was telling you about, and then two people back, that person was coughing. <coughs> I'm like, I just slowly like look back. I like, we've got to scratch my shoulder to make sure they were far apart. But the cashier, I mean, when, when the person was checking me out, that person just wasn't happy that day. I'm mean, how are you doing? And didn't say a word to me, just looked down and angry. And because I was like, yeah, well, OK, that's fine. I'll just be nice to him. Um, and it really, and I said, Lord, what's, I don't know what's going on in their life, but how can I just bless them? I was kind to them. I was very patient. Didn't give them a sermon. I just was very patient with them. And I just said, Hey man, God bless you. Have a great day. And I didn't say to the, you know, as a, I just really meant, to, and she said, thank you very much. And she, she smiled because she was having a tough day. I'm sure. And you see, when Jesus says peace, be, it was not just, Hey, peace be in you. Hey, peace out, man. Like we all do that. Right. It's like, no. My peace is there for you. Live in it. We're living in a messed up world right now. Let's live in the peace of God. Come on, amen. You see, the thing about this now, may the, may the fruit of the cross bring you peace, let it be, is we're no longer victims, but victors in Christ. I'm sick of this victim mentality. And the devil would love for us to live in this victim mentality, all eyes. And that's what the devil wants you to live like. Because when you live in this victim mentality, you're never going to get victory. First John 5, 4 and 5 says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. He was saying the world has nothing on you, really. Sure, it can give you a hard time. This world is a mess. But if you live in me, you will have victory. You see, the devil only has as much power as we give him. We all struggle. He knows everyone. He knows our temptations. He knows every one of our weaknesses. And he'll come at us all the time with that. And God says when we're overcome, he opens the door for us. Call to Jesus. God, I'm struggling. Help. Help. He will help you. But also check this out. First Peter 5, 8, 9. But be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy is like the, the devil roars around like a, a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's looking for you living in for he's looking for you to hide. He's looking for you to say, I'm a victim. I'm a victim. He's like, that's right. You're a victim. The Bible says, then verse nine, resist him, stand firm in faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Others are suffering just like you. Especially in this COVID season. It's, it's been a mess for all of us. But here's how you overcome it. Are you ready? Say, yes, I'm ready. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Isn't that crazy? If you submit to God, God, here I am. I, I need your help. 
And then you resist and say, get out, get out in the name of Jesus. You're, you, you don't own me. You have no victory. The, 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 the blood of Jesus is over me. You have nothing over me. This is why we say I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Or Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus on us because the devil runs from that. It means that we're receiving the abundant life and our, our lives are secured because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Stop living in fear. You're a child. Yes, we all fear. I know. I get it. You're a child of God. Say I'm a child of God. And I am destined to win because of his victory on the cross. See, Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says, For in Christ, the, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given the fullness of Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. You are a child of God. Walk like it. Walk with your head up and say, I'm a child of God. I know we, we beat ourselves up. I get it. I do that. Number four. Because now you are a child of God. You've been redeemed. As a father has sent me, I am sending you. Verse, verse 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As a father has sent me, I am sending you. Letter A. Jesus' mission is to be about the father's business. Jesus didn't come to entertain us. He didn't come to enable us. He came to empower us to go out. In fact, I read that in, when we talked about our notes. Is God anointed him and he went out and did good. What is the Father's business? To restore mankind. To reconcile people. To a right relationship with him. John six forty says, that, For my Father's will is... Li-. Listen to this. My Father's will is that only black people come to Jesus. No. Only white people. Only Asians, only Indians, only Democrats, only Republicans. No, it says for what? Everyone. Put that down. Everyone. In the chat, everyone. My father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up to the last day. Even those who received the vaccine for COVID. I'm being silly. I'm tired of people telling you, it's, anyway, I'm getting off on that. I'm sorry. Look, please forgive me. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Our mission is to redeem people, not push them away from Christ. Let it be your mission is to be about the Father's business. What's the Father's business? Thanks for asking. I'm glad you asked. John 15, 8 says, this is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. What kind of fruit does God expect? Yes, a godly life, the fruit of the Spirit. But to know that you're making disciples in Jesus Christ's image. That is your call. That is your business. At work, at home, at school, in the neighborhood. We are to establish the kingdom of God. How do we do that? By making disciples of all nations. You want to see change in the land? You want to see change in the nation? You want to see less of the wickedness and help people come to know Jesus Christ? Then it begins to change. How do we make disciples? Well, you must go. You must go. Stop making excuses. You just got to go. Philip went. He went and God opened doors for him. We must tell them the good news. Luke 14, 23, out of King James says this, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my, ha- my house may be filled. To know Jesus and make him known. That word compel is very, very similar to the harpazo word. It, it means really, it doesn't just mean I, I can't touch you, but it would mean me like saying, taking someone and saying, Listen, man, this is the life. This is who you need. It's, it's not just, hey, would you like Jesus? No. Okay, bye. Good luck. It's pretty hot in hell. Too bad. 
It's like, no, please, please, can you? You're going down the wrong road. How, what can I do to help you? Please don't, don't do that. We write them off, don't we? Did you see what they put on social media? And that's why you need to compel them. They say the same thing about you, by the way, too. We must compel them to know Jesus and make him known. Here's what the biggest thing that we need. If we call ourselves Pentecostals, we call ourselves a spirit filled church. We need to receive the Holy Spirit. You see, this world is living in dead air. It stinks. I mean, the air that you just you, you breathe it back and forth is just nasty. We need a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit. In the church, in our lives, in our minds, in our thoughts. So first is this. We need to receive the Holy Spirit, the spiritual life of God. He says he, he breathed on them. Can you imagine? Some of you would be offended, man. I mean, don't, don't you like don't. I mean, if, if I, I got my mask off you're like, and I got my shots, OK, I, I'm like my dog. I got vaccinated. OK. But I mean, you're offended if someone breathes on you. Jesus, you know, he didn't say, hey, guys, he, I mean, he breathed on receive the Holy Spirit. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. You and I, we need to get back to the Holy Spirit. Not old time Pentecostals, not old time whatever. We need a new move of God. I was driving and God kept saying this new wine and new wine skins. You need the new move of God. What happened 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 100 years ago, it, that was then. This is now. Because it's not changing our world. Right? We need new wine. We need new wine skins. We need a fresh breath of God. You see, in the Old Testament, when God, God breathed life into Adam, he became alive. Likewise, Jesus now breathed spiritual life into the church and it comes alive. God's spirit brings life to all who accept him. And unfortunately, our faith has become just a scurry of religious activity. Well, I gotta, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Really, we should stop trying to do for God and start being with God more. And allow Him to breathe into us. You see, once before Christ came, before the Holy Spirit came... People went to the temple to experience God. Now the temple is you and his spirit lives within you. And I'm glad you come to church. I'm glad you join us online. We, we want to continue to do that. But you can experience God's spirit wherever you're at all the time. Anytime. Pastor, I, I don't even hear you speaking in tongues because I'm doing it all the time. At home, driving. And you, of course you can't hear me worse. I'm doing it here. But that doesn't make me holy. It's just, God, I need to commune with you. I need to commune with you. Help me, God. Help me. You can commune with God everywhere, anytime. You don't have to be in church. It can happen in church. See, once the people went to the temple to experience God, now the God of creation dwells in his people by his spirit. Second Timothy 1.3 says this. Worship team, be ready in a second. His divine spirit. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. His divine power, that word power means dunamis, means miraculous power. It is for us, for everything we need in life. The second thing is receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and receiving his life. The second thing is this, is the promise of the Father, which we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, 49 says, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised but stay in the city until you've been clothed on high. 
clothed with power for one night. See, everyone like, oh, see, I'm going to stay around. But then it, he says, stay there and tell is what the, it, it, the language. Stay there and tell. Once you receive this power, now go out. We're still, I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting on the Lord. He's like, I'm waiting on you. Go. When are you coming, Lord? When, when are you coming? When are you coming? He's saying, go. Okay, I, I mean, think of, the angels and God are in heaven. They're saying, go. We're like, we're waiting for you, God. When, when are you coming? He's like, go. Wait. No, go. The Holy Spirit should make us go. Come on, amen. Verse Acts 1.8. But you will receive power, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, to all Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. How many of you know what an SUV is? How many of you drive an SUV? So, so, the, so listen to this. About 90 for, 95% of SUV owners in America never take them off-road. You know what SUV means? Sport utility vehicle. And if you have a four-wheel drive and you've never gotten it dirty, Lord have mercy on you. You've never engaged it in the snow. You've never gone out to the trail and the oh, oh my goodness. It was built for that. 95% of Americans who own or drive an SUV have never taken it off-road. And if you don't, can you let me take it? I'll take it out one time. I'll show you how to, what it's all about. Because I don't have a four-wheel drive. I had a Toyota, an old Toyota 4 when I got it, man. But when I lived in Utah, I took that thing all over the place, mountains, places where I had to put in four-wheel drive. And I had to engage it. I think about living, I talk about this when um, years ago, before we had kids, we lived in Salt Lake City, we'd drive up to uh, Jackson, Wyoming. And in Jackson is, is, is the Grand Tetons. And there was this trail. And we had this. You can look this up later. Don't do it now because there will be a curse on your phone if you do or your palm device. We had a 1993 Toyota Camry. 1993 Toyota Camry. It's low. It's small. Okay. Look it up later. If you look at it right now, don't. I see you doing it online. Just kidding. And we were driving on this dirt road in, in the Teton National Park. And there was this person. And, and this person had a Toyota Land Cruiser. Four-wheel drive. This person was driving so... I mean, we, we saw this person. I'm just being honest. She was scared to death. And we were like, people were behind her honking. And I remember a guy got out of the car and was like, can I, lady, put it in four-wheel drive? And she was just like... And it's like, late. And here we are in our little 1993 Toyota Camry, low to the ground. We just went off into the dirt and drove past her. And see, this is the church in America. We, oh, I'm full of the Holy Spirit, but we don't go out with the Holy Spirit. We want it in how I want to roll on the floor. I want to speak. I want to dance. I want to have visions. But what about the lost? He didn't give it to you to entertain you. He gave it to empower you. Church, we need a fresh move of God not to keep us here, but to send us out. This is what the Holy Spirit's about. Not so we can have dreams and visions one for another, which that's great, but when are you going out and speaking life into someone else's life? And you hear me say, don't tell me how Pentecostal you are if you're not reaching people for Jesus Christ. I don't care. I don't care in my life if I pray in tongues 24-7 if I'm not actively trying to reach my neighbor, my coworker, people around me through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the church is like the SUV that never gets out. The church in America needs to engage the power of the Holy Spirit. The church needs to be refilled or baptized afresh in the Holy Spirit. Let's ask God to fill us. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's for you to be empowered for a victorious life, but also for us to go out. 
If you if it's been a long time since you've been filled, you, you can have when you get baptized with the Spirit, it's a one time experience. But then it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that, that in, in, in the letters to the, to the Ephesians, it, the, the, the concept, the, the way it's written is be being filled. Be renewed. Just like I said, driving your car. If you don't change the oil in your car, it's going to burn out. Some of you, you have tried to live with the oil from 50 years ago from the Holy Spirit. You need fresh oil. This church needs fresh oil. Pastor Stan needs fresh oil. The church in America needs fresh oil. We need to get out. Instead of throwing holy hangers, they're evil, Pastor Stan. They didn't vote like me. No, they need Jesus. Instead of you cursing them... You need to go, God, send me. This is good preaching. Worship team, can you come up, please? Number six, proclaim the message of forgiveness. You see, Jesus said, if you forgive them, then I will forgive them. If you don't forgive them, I won't forgive them. Now, that's not really meaning you have power over them. But letter A, and I'm going to tell you, is we need to convey the forgiveness to the penitent heart. Those who want to be repented, we've got to tell them, hey, Jesus is the way. And warn the impenitent. If they don't want to hear, just speak Jesus. And say, man, hey, God loves you. I don't care about your God. And that curse it. You say, man, I, God still loves you. You'll be surprised what the words of God saying God can forgive you. Because there are people walking in pain and sin. They might seem like, I don't believe in God. But in the back of the mind, like, please, somebody save me. Please save me. And you see, here's something else very important. And as I was, I was getting ready this morning, having my cup of coffee, eating my breakfast, looking over the sermon, God put this into my mind as well. Forgiving others releases us from hate. Forgiving others releases us from being judgmental. Forgiving others breaks satanic strongholds. You see, when you hold the grudge, when you hate someone because they're of a different race, a different tribe, a different background. I told you the story years ago, and I told you again, is when I first got here, we, we, we had a, a different Korean church that used our building. And they asked me if I could go preach a, a revival at another Korean church in, in, in Virginia. And I went there because my mom is Korean. I understand a little bit about the Korean culture. And I, and I remembered my mom, when she was born in Korea, it was one Korea. This was before the time of single. And the whole story about her family fled. Her mom went back because she was worried about the home and she never saw her mom again. And then she has like, she had scars on her, on her arms, her legs and on her head. I said, Mom, she's got the shrapnel from the American bombs when they were bombing the communists. Her sister carried her down. Now, I understand that. So, but when I was preaching one night, the, the Holy Spirit said, call people up to forgive the communist, and then also to forgive the Japanese, because the imperialistic Japan was very mean to many countries. Some of you understand this to 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 many people in, in the Asian area. He said they're holding on to this bitterness, and I can't forgive them until they forgive. And I said that I said some of you you need to forgive the the northern communist. And then I said specifically, some of you need to forgive the Japanese for what they did to you and your family. You need to come. And that the place people flooded to the altar. You see, some of you, you're holding on to a grudge. You're 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 angry. Maybe it's me. I did something to you or or a family, a friend or or a person of a different ground or a different race. You see, some of you come from a, a land where there's still tribes and you don't like that tribe or vice versa. For you to be free, you need to forgive. 
You need to forgive that sinner who transgresses against you because they're lost. Now, I'm not saying take their abuse, but I'm saying you've got to help them to be free. Would you stand with me this morning? We need to receive the Holy Spirit to unlock our lives. This church can no longer be happy just keeping Christians happy. We've got to say we've got to get out. I can no longer be happy just being nice to my neighbors. I've got to say, Lord, give me the breath of the Holy Spirit so I can speak into their lives. Maybe online, maybe you're in this room. You want to accept Jesus Christ. You're ready to receive him. As you hear me say every Sunday, it's very easy. All you need to say is, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your love. I'm your child. Now, it's just that simple. But if you do that here in the room online, would you let us know so we can help you grow in your, your walk with Jesus Christ? But there's a couple of things that I really want to talk about as we go. And we're going to, what's going to happen is the worship team is going to sing. And if you want to come down for prayer, you just want to worship the Lord or you want to turn in your chair. Um, online, we're going to go through one song and we're going to stop the live stream at, at one song. But we're going to continue in this room. We're going to continue worship at least one or two songs after that. But online and in the room, I just want this. If you want to unlock the doors of fear, you must allow the breath of God to come into your life. If you want to unlock the doors of bondage, you need to allow the breath of God to come into your life. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's hatefulness or bitterness or religious activity. Allow the breath of God to come into your life today. Maybe you're like, there's so many trials, Pastor, and I got so much going on right now. Then, then let God breathe new peace into your life. Peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives, but as God gives. Receive the life. Put Jesus at the center. Some of us, we're just playing church. We just come to church, but we're not really Jesus followers. We just come to church to be blessed. And as Jesus said, this is for me and for you and for you online. Jesus says, just as God sent me, I'm sending you. We need to go. I'm tired here about shootings. I'm tired about hearing race and, and, and all this uh, anger we have once another. The only thing that's going to change it is when the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached and proclaimed to all people. And that's through you and me going out. Go. Maybe today you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you want a refreshing. That's where we're going to open the altar up. Father, we just come before you. We need fresh breath. We've locked the doors of our hearts, our minds, our spirits. Maybe we've even physically locked the church door by our actions against those who don't believe like us. They don't look like us. They don't act like us. They don't vote like us. But God, let us be reminded of Jude 23 that we need to be merciful to those who doubt. We need to snatch them from the fire. We must save them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then for those who just don't care, we still need to be merciful, God. What's happened to the church in America, God? Help us to go, Lord. Breathe life into us. Breathe life into everyone in this room, those online. That breathe life into every church, God. That we would be about the business of reconciling people to Jesus Christ. Whether we believe in them or not. Whether they're steeped in something, God. We don't care. We want to breathe your life into them as well, God. For us that need a fresh breath, we want to come to the altar now. Or we, want, we just want to be filled or baptized. or We just need to forgive. Whatever you need to do as the worship team begins to sing, 
Would you in your chair? You can do that. If you need to go, you can. If you want to come down and kneel at the altar, stand at the altar, stand where you're at, sing out loud. So, Father, help us now. Breathe life into Stan Nelson. I need your life, God. I need your life, God. My family needs your life. This church needs your life. This nation, every nation in this world needs your life, God. Would you breathe on us afresh today?